Gospels where somebody asked Jesus is something and Jesus is like, well, yeah, I know you're worried about this, but I have something way greater that I want to get at with you. I wanted to tell you that because I realize that for all of us, oftentimes our prayers are specific, but God wants to get at something deeper and more important in our lives. So oftentimes God doesn't answer our prayers in the ways that we want because we are limited by what we can see and God has something greater that he wants to do. The saying goes that you only know what you know. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that our prayers focus on what we know about or hope for. You ask God to intervene in people's lives. And while God answers these prayers, it often looks different than you might expect. That's because God sees a bigger picture than you. He knows more, and so his response reflects that greater knowledge. He's after a bigger good than you can see. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. As he begins his message, a bigger story. Long before Jesus' triumphal entry that we know so well, that we're going to talk about today, this was spoken about, prophesied about, that there are places in the scriptures where long before Jesus arrived on the scene, God was telling the people that Jesus was going to come, that the Messiah was going to come. Now, I know for me, I didn't grow up reading the Bible at all. And because I didn't grow up reading the Bible, I didn't know these things. And I remember when I started to read the scriptures, I was blown away by when I would read these things. And I'm like, wow, this is really in the Bible. This isn't something that it just happened. I remember growing up as a skeptic and I remember being like, oh, you know, this stuff just happened by chance. I mean, like, it's just a bunch of guys got around the table and they invented a religion. Some of you probably believe that too. You heard that? Maybe you heard it in school. Oh, it's just myths. No, 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 it's not. That's a very convenient way to try and explain exactly who Jesus is and what he's done. And we're going to explore one of these prophecies today that... If you're a believer, it's going to strengthen your trust in the scriptures. If you're a skeptic, it's going to challenge your skepticism. Now, what's also interesting is that today we're going to be closing out our series in the book of Daniel. Now, you might be saying, well, hold, there's more chapters in the book of Daniel. I skipped over chapter 8, and I'm not going to be taking in this series chapters 10, 11, and 12, because we've seen the prophecies of Daniel 2 and 7, and now we're going to see Daniel 9, which are the three big prophecies. And there's a four smaller prophecies that I'm actually hoping to take at a later date as part of another series to be able to round it all out. But I love the fact that we could end this friction series here at the prophecy of the 77s, a very famous prophecy. So in order to get at that, I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, we're going to be taking verses 24 to 27 So Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 20. I want you to open up your Bibles. Of course, if you have a smartphone of any sort, you can open that baby up, type in Daniel chapter 9, 24 to 27. You can choose your favorite translation, even though I normally use the New King James. And you can read along with me. 
If you're new to the Bible, don't be alarmed. I know it's a big book. There's 66 books in the Bible. The book of Daniel is pretty easy to find. It's in that last section of the Old Testament, which is the first two-thirds of your Bible, the section of the prophets. And it's Daniel's the fourth of the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. So if you find any of those dudes, turn to your right. And then Daniel chapter 9. Now, I'm going to pick up reading this to you in verse 20. And the reason I'm going to do that is to give you a little bit of context. But we did study together Daniel chapter 9 through verse 23. But it says this in Daniel 9 verse 20. It says, Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer... The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand at the beginning of your supplications. The command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Now here's the prophecy, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people, for your holy city, to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end of it will be with the flood till the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be the one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. How many of you guys understand what I just read? (laughs) So listen. If you recall from Daniel chapter 9, what we learned was that Daniel was reading in the prophecies of Jeremiah that God was going to bring judgment on the children of Israel for a period of 70 years. And he was going to judge the Babylonians and the children of Israel were going to come back to the land. So he's reading that and he realized, like, look, I've been in Babylon almost 70 years, so there's stuff going on and I need to say, God, what's going on? And he began to pray and he began to confess his sins and he began to say, Lord, what are you doing? Now that's really important because he's reading the word and the word is leading to prayer, right? And he's confessing and it's good for the soul, But then Gabriel shows up and Gabriel says, right as you began to pray, I was dispatched to tell you. And I made the point that help is already on the way, right? And then Gabriel says to him that I have come to tell you what's going on. I've come to explain it to you. Now, I'm going to give you this message in a classic three-point sermon. Classic. You're going to have three P's that you're going to remember. Your study guide, you're going to like it. Now, if you write this all down, you can impress your friends with it. You can preach it yourself. And everyone will be like, wow, you know, you've really got this preaching thing going on. But it worked perfectly for me. So let me read you the first little section. It says this in verse 24. It says, 70 weeks are determined 
for your people, verse 24, and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. My friends, this is a predetermined time. That's what this is. This is a predetermined time. See, Daniel has been praying about this 70-year period, and then Gabriel comes and says, listen, I, I'm going to raise you your 70. We have this 70 weeks. Now, what's interesting is for the children of Israel, they were used to thinking in what scholars would call a heptad or in series of sevens. Right? It's very common for the children of Israel to think this way. You had seven days in one week. Every seventh year was the Sabbath year of rest. Every series of seven, seven-year periods was the year of Jubilee. And if you've been studying the Torah with us, you've heard all of these things and we've discussed this. But now we have this 70 weeks, or literally in the Hebrew, the word for weeks is the word Shabuam, which literally means seven. So we have this 77 period. Now, most scholars would tell you that this isn't 70 periods of seven weeks. It's 70 periods of seven years. And this predetermined time has something very specific that it wants to accomplish. Literally six purposes in this predetermined time. Notice, it deals with your people and for your holy city. So who was Daniel's people? The Jewish people. What was his holy city? Jerusalem, right? And so Daniel's been praying about the children of Israel who've been in Babylon and them going back to Jerusalem because it was conquered by the Babylonians. He's like, okay, so now I have this 77 period, the 70 periods of seven years that's going to deal with your people and your holy city. Now, don't miss this. Oftentimes, the way God answers our prayers is by doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. How many times do you see in the gospels where somebody asks Jesus is something and Jesus is like, well, yeah, I know you're worried about this, but I have something way greater that I want to get at with you. I wanted to tell you that because I realize that for all of us, oftentimes our prayers are specific, but God wants to get at something deeper and more important in our lives. So oftentimes God doesn't answer our prayers in the ways that we want because we are limited by what we can see and God has something greater that he wants to do. See, Daniel is concerned with the children of Israel going back to Jerusalem and God's like, no, no, I have a 70 period that is even bigger greater than you can imagine. And it has these six purposes involved. Notice, first, to finish the transgression. Now, obviously, when you read all of these together, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That's all six of them. All of these deal with the cross, the empty tomb, and the eventual return of Jesus and the fixing of all things in the kingdom of God. Now, I say that, and it's real easy. If you've been in church for a while, you'd be like, oh yeah, the cross, the resurrection, Jesus coming back. You know, you yawn and turn the page. But my friends, this is God's plan for humanity right here. That God was going to send his son to die on a cross for the sins of the world, right? He was going to conquer sin and death through the empty tomb. And at some point, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set the world back to the way it ought to be. Right? He's going to fix a broken world. Now, what's for most of us, especially those of you who spend time in church, you're so used to hearing about the cross and the resurrection that maybe it's lost its flavor. 
It's lost its amazingness. I remember when you first gave your life to Jesus, the fact that God would send his son to die on a cross for your sins is the most extraordinary thing ever. Now you're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I hope the pastor doesn't preach long, you know? But there was a time when you loved it when the pastor preached long. You're like, I can't believe he's stopping right now. This stuff's so awesome. Like, where did that go? It's kind of like when you get married. Everyone's in love on the wedding day. Oh, they're in, so in love. They're like, you know, the wife's like, she's gliding down the aisle. You know what I mean? The husband, he doesn't even wait for the pronouncement of marriage. He's already kissing her. You know what I mean? And then like two years later, like we just stay in separate sides of the house. We can't, we need to get a bigger house. He has his quarter. She has her quarter. It gets like that, right? That familiarity breeds, like you forget how good you have it. Until all of a sudden you realize once again, you have a renewed vision. The fact that at the cross, there's a finish to transgression. Jesus said, it is finished. That's what he said. At the cross, it's done. I've conquered transgression through my own body to make an end of sins. The taking away of sin from the people who would believe. To make reconciliation for iniquity. See, you think of reconciliation when two people are separated and they get brought back together. That's when two people who are at odds are now reconciled together. The reconciliation for iniquity is what Jesus did at the cross. And the empty tomb is all about this. It's the fulfillment of all these things. And then, of course, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy place. This all speaks about Jesus' second coming. Because to bring in the everlasting righteousness is the messianic kingdom when Jesus returns. To seal a vision and prophecy. It's the fulfillment of the totality of the word of God. And to anoint the most holy place. Which is the new Jerusalem. Our eternal abode. See, God's plan is this 77 year period. This 490 years is going to accomplish everything, the cross, the empty tomb, and ultimately all that God has planned. And so when you realize that there's a predetermined time for all of this, this reminds me of Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, which says, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. My friends, the biggest fear that I have, and not like a sinful fear, but the kind of thing that makes me think twice is when I start to realize that time is predetermined. That I'm not going to have, I mean, who knows how long I'm going to have. I know how long I'm going to have to raise my kids. I don't know how long I have to, to love my wife. I don't know how long I'm going to have to preach the gospel. That we aren't promised decades. Never says anywhere, you're going to get 80 years. No, it's a predetermined time. But it says here that if we ask God to teach us to number our days, we may gain a heart of wisdom. Why? Because then you don't wait on anything. You don't put off for tomorrow what needs to be done today. And I think that's part of the wisdom of following Jesus is you start to realize that my life matters and these days are important and I may not have all the time that I want. So we need to get done now what is important. We need to make sure we get the most important things done now. It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, walking in wisdom is redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, one of the ways we walk in foolishness is when we think we have infinite time. And there's a lot of us right now, you are living like you have all the time in the world. And I'm here to tell you, your time is precious. 
who you are today, how God wants to use you today is important. And you don't have a million years. You don't have decades. You may only have one more week. Who knows? But you walk in wisdom when you redeem the time. When you say, I only have a set amount of time, so I'm going to get at this thing. I think there's too many of us. We've become lazy with our time. And we're missing out on what God has. See, in this 70s, these 70 weeks, these 77-year periods, all that God has planned is going to be accomplished. It's a predetermined time. Now, from there, check out what we get. We get a promised Messiah. From there, we get a promised Messiah. Look at verse 25 and 26. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end of it shall be with a flood Till the end of the war, desolations are determined. My friends, this is a promised Messiah. Now, what we find here is that out of these 70 weeks or these 77-year periods, we get seven weeks or 49 years and then 62 weeks, which is 434, from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah. Now, you notice that There's a start date on this that's important, right? This notice to restore and build Jerusalem. Now, you can find this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. This is the starting of the timing of this prophecy where it's the royal edict of a king named Artaxes Longimanus. In his 20th year, he gave the decree to authorize the rebuilding of the city. Now, if you read your Bible, you notice there's a lot of other decrees concerning Jerusalem, but this is the one that starts the clock. The author, I see Cyrus gave the decree to rebuild the temple. You find about Ezra chapter 1. Darius confirmed that they were allowed to rebuild the temple. You read that in Ezra 6. And then Artaxerxes gave a decree concerning offerings and temple worship in Ezra chapter 7. But the one to rebuild the city, the city that had been destroyed, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Now, what's amazing is it says from that start date, which according to biblical understanding, it's March 14th, about 445 BC. Now, listen, I'm going to give you dates. You can try and write them down. One of the things I've learned about dates in the Bible is that it's very, very hard to reverse engineer because the calendars change. You realize that the children of Israel were on what you would call a lunar calendar, 360-day calendars. The Romans instituted a solar calendar, 365 and one-quarter-day calendar. And when you try and do the math, like I have a hard enough time doing addition and subtraction. When you start doing this stuff, it gets really complicated. And you'll notice with dates, I'll give you like approximate dates because you read one scholar says it's here and another scholar says it's here. And I'm too lazy to actually sit and do all that math. You know what I mean? So I'm just trusting the scholars and I'm like, listen, the fact that they did that, God bless them and I'm just going to trust them. But if you do the dating on it, that's where it lands. Now it says that from that time until the Messiah, the Prince shall be seven weeks, so 49 years, and then 430. 
34 years. Now, what's amazing is if you do the dating from 445 BC, if you take this 69 weeks and you do it into 360-day lunar years, you get 173,740 days. If you include leap years and everything else, you end up with 173,880 days, and this lands you right around Passover time at 33 AD, which a lot of people would say that was exactly when Jesus had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So as we commemorate, you like all that math, right? A lot of this is based on the work of one scholar named Sir Robert Anderson. His scholarly work, The Coming Prince, explains this whole thing and his whole computation. But when Jesus was triumphantly entered into Jerusalem, it would be the exact fulfillment of this prophecy. Given six, seven hundred years before it happened. Powerful. Because you got to realize this prophecy deals with the start date is something that hadn't even happened in the time of Daniel. It was after Daniel. And so the start date was in the future and then Jesus is coming. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to keep your finger here in Daniel chapter 9. And I want you to turn to your right to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21 because I want, to, I, I want to read you this triumphal entry account. Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately they will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that under all that math was a promise. The Messiah was going to come, and as you know, he did. Jesus came at just the right time, the appointed time, the time written about in the book of Daniel. You see, this passage reminds you that God has this all worked out. He knew what would happen and when. And he shared this through his prophets so that your faith can be built up as his word is proven true. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? 
Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will unpack what sets Jesus apart from other rulers and kings. You'll see that he wasn't concerned with glory or power. Instead of chariots and banners, his entrance was humble and his entourage was ordinary. Jesus came to serve you and me, to lay down his life for the people he loves. This is what makes him so remarkable, the most important person who has ever lived. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Friction. Until then, may God bless.